Last week, Pastor Daniel began this sermon series with a sermon entitled, I Believe, and we we spoke about what it means to believe. And what you believe has great consequence for your daily life. Uh, Consider one who believes in justice. They're likely to care strongly for fair treatment, right? They want all to be treated equally. They may have a concern for the vulnerable or the mistreated. Hopefully, this describes the people who work in our justice systems. Maybe it doesn't always, but hopefully, at least most of them do, because they believe in justice. What about somebody who believes in the sanctity of life? They are most likely involved in civil, hopefully involved in civil rights issues regarding equality, and they're deeply concerned when they feel that human life is being threatened or treated with carelessness, like it is with the abortion epidemic, regardless of your political stance that we have here in New York City, where almost 40% of every pregnancy ends in abortion. And among low-income women, the number skyrockets to almost 60. So if you believe in the sanctity of life, that issue is something that drives the way that you act, right? What you believe lays the foundation for how you build your life, for your daily practices, the ebbs and flows, the rhythms of your life. It affects it. It's what you spend your time on. It's what you're concerned about. It's what you can't fall asleep at night because you're thinking so much about it. This new series is focused on nailing down and helping us as a church figure out what it is that Christians believe. And we're using this historic creed, the Apostles' Creed, as a guideline for these, what we call at Connection, essentials of the faith. So tonight, we move into a discussion about belief from the first line of the creed. The first line says, I believe in God the Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth. Many things can be said of those who claim belief in God. Uh, Tonight, we're going to focus on three distinctions, though, that, according to the Bible, explain what we mean when we say, this is what we believe. God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. The first is very simple. Daniel brought it up a moment ago. It's that God is life. So on the back of the worship folder you were given, or if you'd like to take notes in your phone, that's point number one tonight. God is life. You see, God was not created. He is not a created being. God is life itself, and everything that is living has its beginning in him. As we open the scriptures, it's clear that if you go back as far as our limited understanding of time will allow to what we would call the beginning, there you will find God. The most beautiful illustration I've ever heard to try to help explain how God relates to time involves a string. You know, when you think of time in your mind, most likely you think of a timeline, right? Time is on a line from something, maybe your birth, to your death. That's a timeline that has a beginning and an end. If you think of time, of all time like that, We pick up the scripture in Genesis 1-1. If you'd like to look there, listen to what the Bible says, and we'll talk more about that string. 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So picture this string. There's a beginning point. And Genesis 1-1, a book that was written by Moses to try to explain to the people of Israel what Yahweh was all about. Who was Yahweh? In the beginning, we find someone. His name is God. So a seminary professor that I had once helped us see this clearly with a string in that you and I find ourselves on this timeline in some way, right? Larry Mayberry came onto the timeline on June 15th, 1986. Now, we don't know when time will end, but so let's just put an arrow this direction on the timeline. There's a beginning where God created the heavens and the earth, and then at some point here, Larry Mayberry came into existence. And my entire life will be lived in one direction on this one timeline, right? Unless you're a fan of the supernatural and sci-fi shows, you cannot go backwards in time, right? Unless you're Marty McFly. But you can go forward. All of us move forward through time. In fact, we can't even pause time. We would love to sometimes. In that moment that you just love to savor, you want to stop time and just sit on that beach forever. A few of us will be going to St. John in a couple of weeks as on a mission trip, and I showed Micah and Noah a video of a beach in St. John today, and Micah said, I want to go to that beach. Look at the sunshine, Dad. I said, I know, it's going to be great. I'll take you there one day. There's some moments, some places where you just want to stay, but you can't. Time moves forward across this line. But you see, since we have this line in our view, it's difficult for us to think of God as any way else. For instance, maybe we just have always imagined that God is just on the entire timeline or something. He has existed across the entire timeline. But a better way to think of how God relates to time is that God is holding the string. Or maybe it's even a rod. You see, whereas we can only see, if we're on the string, one direction. We're only going one direction, and we're on, we are bound by the time. God has not those bounds. He can look under the timeline. He can look behind the timeline, around the timeline. God is completely outside of what we consider to be time and space. And so when we begin to understand what it means to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, from Genesis chapter 1, we must realize that in the beginning, God. God was there when the timeline started. He's not on the timeline. He is outside of it. God has no start. He started all things. He was never created. He created all things. There are many things that cause the Trinitarian God to stand out from the God of other religions uh, worshipped by humans in different parts all over the world. The grace of God, 
His unconditional love that is not based on merit or qualification. You cannot earn the love. It's just unconditional. It's free. It's given by grace. His intentionality to institute an earthly body, the church, whose duty it is to bring those things, uh, to bring about the healing of all things in the world. These are all unique to the God that Christians worship. However, maybe none of these are as powerful or as starkly in contrast to other gods than the truth and the power that God is life. Earlier, Pastor Daniel read the passage from the New Testament, and he described this time in Lystra where Paul and Barnabas were traveling. And some people were struck. What led to that statement by them was people were struck that Paul and Barnabas healed a crippled man. Now, we know, because we're reading the account of it, we know very clearly that this was the Holy Spirit who healed the man by the words of Paul and Barnabas. But the people didn't know that. And so what they did was they began assigning divine names to Paul and Barnabas. They called Paul Zeus and they called Barnabas Hermes. Actually, I think it's flipped the other way. They called them Zeus and Hermes. They tried to, to pinpoint what it was that made them so powerful. And they did so by ascribing to them names that you heard Paul and Barnabas say, this is vain. Those are vain things. You have to turn from those vain things. What they meant was You have to turn from these empty, dead, lifeless fantasies. They're non-existent idols. And you need to turn to a living God. Turn to the God who created all things. It's important that the belief we have in God is the God who is the almighty holder of life. That he is, in fact, life itself. The self-existent Lord of the universe before everything was created. He existed before everything was created and he alone has the ability to create freely. So this is vitally important to our faith because his power, his existence, his presence is not dependent on any other source. He is not dependent on oxygen to live. He is not dependent on gravity to stay grounded. He is not dependent on relationships with others to stay sane. He is completely independent. He is the source. To believe in anything else, anything that is created, is to believe in something or someone that exists by the power of something else. To believe in anything else. This is what Paul and Barnabas were trying to tell these people. To believe in anything else besides God, the the almighty creator of heaven and earth, is to believe in something that needs something else in order to exist. Be confident that the faith that you have in God is faith in the creative artist who has designed and produced everything you see solely by the life contained within him. This distinction that God is life beckons our worship. It's why we sing praises to God at the beginning of a worship service. We give thanks because he has revealed to us. We give honor because he is wholly other than we are. We give him praise because his sovereign power has formed all we know 
and vast galaxies beyond our comprehension. We believe that God is life, and so we worship. Not only is God life, but number two, if you're taking notes, God gives us life. This is cause for celebration. Contained in the first statement of the Apostles' Creed is the concept of creation gained from the passage I just read, Genesis 1.1. But not only is God life, but God has chosen to give life to others. We learn this, we learn from this verse that everything that is created is created by God. The Hebrew word that's used here for create is bara. It stands apart from two other words used to describe divine activity in the upcoming section. So there's the divine God is being active. And there are three words to, to be used. The others are translated formed and made. Later in the account of creation, formed and made, those words are used to describe man's activity on earth. So man forms and makes. But the word bara, which is translated creates, is exclusively used to describe God's activity on the earth and in the heavens. Man is certainly able to come up with some amazing things out of pre-existing materials. If you are not fascinated when you walk through the streets of Manhattan, you don't understand the complexity of architectural design because it is a phenomenon that we can take pre-existing materials and build them into 80, 100-story buildings, entire cities with ecosystems and electrical and plumbing and now internet. You could live your entire life in a skyscraper. We, have, we can create amazing things with pre-existing materials, but creating is exclusively God's. We may be able to form and make these things, but we cannot create out of nothing. God alone holds this distinction. Recognizing that God gives us life reminds us who our master is. Why is it important to know that God gives us life? It reminds us who our master is. Listen to um, the book of Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 22, verse 15 and following. Then the Pharisees they went and they plotted how to entangle Jesus with their words. And they sent their disciples to Jesus, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and that you teach the way of God truthfully and that you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why do you put me to the test, hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. Does anyone have a dollar bill in their pocket? Show me the coin. Show me the bill. Jesus is about to get really creative here. He says, show me the coin. So they brought him a coin in verse 20. 
And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and depiction, whose inscription is on this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. You may have heard it said that humans are made in the image of God. Have you ever struggled to wonder what exactly that means? This New Testament passage displays to us in such vivid imagery what that means. We get the image concept from Genesis 1.27, back where we started in Genesis. The Bible says that we were made, male and female, in his image. Jesus' proclamation to the Pharisees about taxes helps us understand our relationship to God. We have been stamped with the image of God. He created us. He has given us life. He called us into existence in the same way Caesar called that denarii into existence and stamped his image on it. Because of this truth, we must give ourselves to him in the same way that Jesus teaches those Pharisees to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Because you are stamped with the image of God, you are an image bearer of him. You belong to him. The question is, will you render unto God what is God's? Shortly after God gave life to man and woman in the garden, they were deceived into thinking that he was hiding something from them. There was some way that they could be God or know like God knows. They stepped outside of the will or plan of God and they disobeyed a direct command of their creator. Sin and death entered the world and in an instant, in an instant, in what we call now the fall of man. God gives life and we brought death upon ourselves. And we did it by forgetting whose image we bear. And in essence, we attempted to become our own Lord. We attempted to stamp our own image on top of the image that was already stamped. By saying, I will render unto Larry what is Larry's. By living a life with my desires in the forefront, looking out for myself, accomplishing things for me, I am choosing to stamp my image and then render unto me what is mine. But see, it doesn't work like that. God, being the creator and the sustainer of the world and everything in it, had plenty of options, has plenty of options when we did that in the garden and when we do that in life. He could have cast punishment on Adam and Eve and started over with humanity. He could have just cast it all away. He, uh, he could have chosen to, to make them slaves. He could have been an overlord because they disobeyed. He had every right. He could have wiped out mankind. But in his love and compassion, 
he saw an opportunity. He looked at those image bearers and he made his love known to them in a very powerful way. This is where we get point three. So number one was that God is life. Number two is that God gives us life. And the third point is that God is our good father. I believe in God, the father, almighty creator of heaven and earth. God is the creator of these things. He stands outside of time. He is completely independent. Trusting in anything but him is to trust in something that depends on other things to live. He is life. And he has chosen to give us life. And when we bring death into the equation, this third point becomes palpable in the room. That when he had all these options of what he could do, he became our good father. We've talked about um, these different uh, aspects of God. But a good father wants, to, wants what's best for his children. He loves them. He protects them and cares for them. No one in this room has a fresher understanding of what it's like to go from not being a father to being a father than Manu right now. He had no idea what this was like until a few weeks ago when he became a father and in an instant he wanted what was best for this precious little girl. He wanted to do everything he could to protect her. She did nothing to deserve his love. She will do a lot to try to get out of it. She will do a lot to be not deserving of it. But the love of a good father, the love of our good father in heaven, is best personified on earth by the love that a father has for their child. Obviously, we know that this is not always true. Earthly fathers are sinful. They are fallen. They are corrupt. They are prideful and arrogant and self-reliant. And they fail time and again. Some of them never with any redemptive qualities. This is when, if that is your father or that has been you as a father, we look to God, the good father, as our example and as the one who has shown us how to live. All of our worship begins right here with our adoption as children of God. As we just saw, God created and gives us life. However, we dwell in sin and death because of our pride. God proved to be our good father when he sent his son, Jesus, to live a worthy life, a life worthy of acceptance and worthy of inheritance. Listen to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, See what kind of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. This love that is offered to God, offered by God to his children, is otherworldly. I can think that I love my children like God loves me. Manu can think that he loves Arya like God loves him with that same love. 
but our love ebbs and flows with successes and failures, with disappointments and excitements. Our love comes in and out like the waves. But this love that is lavished on those who have been adopted into the family of God is not of this world. Remember the timeline? It can give us perspective on many things. One of those things is the love that God the Father has on you. How often have you been in the midst of temptation and sin and thought, How disappointed God must be of me. How could he ever love me in this moment? Remember, when God chose you, when he adopted you into his family, he was outside of that timeline. He saw that moment. He saw everything before, leading up to, during, and after that moment. He is omniscient, knowing everything the very thoughts and desires of your soul, and he knew them all before you thought them. This love we cannot fully comprehend. I hope this illustration, though, helps you comprehend it a little better, that God is outside of time, and his love is so otherworldly that there is nothing that you and I can do to manipulate or control it. Disappointments, temptations, and sins, failures, excitements, and successes. God's love remains steadfast and pure. He is such a good father that when we were alienated from him, he prepared his only begotten son to become man so that men may have sonship once again. We cannot underestimate the power, I mean the price that was paid by God the Father. When we think about the privileges we have, grace and mercy, we discussed these earlier, God's loving kindness, our salvation, the freedom that we have, we are called to remember that this price that was paid was paid so that we could be called children of God. And when we realize that, we worship Have you noticed a trend? When we realize that God is life, it calls us to worship because he is the only one worthy. When we realize that God has given us life, it beckons our worship because he is not dependent on anything and he has chosen to speak life. And finally, when we see that God is our good father and we spend a moment just trying to comprehend the love that he has for us, We worship because of the high price he has paid to remain our good father. As you speak the words in this creed and seek to live them out each day, ask yourself, do I believe that God is life? Do I believe that God has given life to me? And do I believe that God is the good Father? And if you do, then speak the words of that creed confidently. I believe in God the Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth. And now understand the depth of those words. 
When you think of God, remember that he created all things for his glory and by his almighty power and loving intentions as a father has brought fallen humanity back to himself through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, those words roll off our tongues with ease, but they cost you such a price so that we could call you Father, cost us your only Son. And tonight, I just, I pray that you would help us understand the gravity of those words, the depth of your love for us, and may we not again pity ourselves when we fail, when we sin, when we find ourselves with anger or addiction or pride or self-righteousness yet again. Would we not pity ourselves, Father, but would we comprehend the love, the great love that you have for us. And I pray that we would lift our heads in faith Proclaiming the belief in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In your name we pray, and for your glory we live. Amen.